Yeah, we're back. It's episode 87 and we're offended. Consistency, quality, two things we pride ourselves on. And admittedly, we haven't been there. As promised. The sinking sound of despair. The smell of dread in the air. I'm head to toe in my own fear. I'm going to die and I need to cry. doesn't warrant some of the things that are going on personal males offending people's character you don't know what's going on in pat martin's life how are you not too bad you don't know what's going on he might give a rough exterior but the kid's a sweetheart mm. little sweetie pie <laughs> little chuckles Thank chuckles you. are full of it and you leave me with no choice because when it comes to PM, I can be a bit of an animal. The way I operate, it wouldn't be too similar to anything you've seen before. My style of confrontation is much more effective and much more sick than anyone you've ever been around. And the next time your mother goes for her evening walk in order to see her ankle bone for the first time in 10 years with possibly your auntie, or else that woman from down the road who she never seems to have anything nice to say about, but continues to walk with her night in, night out. There's going to be a group of guys between 18 and 22 ready to go. And these aren't like the type of guys some of you people might know. No, these are guys from the wrong side of the A-bridge who have nothing to live for. Guys who pack themselves into opal courses, into Yaris's, and for some reason, in the very rare case, Vauxhalls. And the evenings are long. Ooh, there's a fine stretch in them. And the smell of cut grass, it dominates the nostrils of South Dublin. But those walks will start to become a bit eerie when one of the previously named motors, for around six to ten seconds, just decides to drive very slowly beside your mother and her pal. And it will be ignored. But what about the night after? On the same footpath, at the exact same moment, that car just needlessly is it's just in first gear, just crawling beside them again. And by the fifth time this happens, no violence, just slow driving, you're going to wish you hadn't sent those mails. What other option do you leave me? I'm not going to go back at you. Pat isn't going to go back at you. We don't value you highly enough. No. It's a waste of thumb movement. And I'm certainly not going to get physical. I'm not a violent man. I haven't swung a punch since I was 19. In an eight-on-one brawl, me being on the eight, of course, that's the type of man I am. And even then, I walked out of the bathroom, 20 minutes later, with a disguise mask on, full of fear. The fact that there's people still out there who opt to engage in physical violence on nights out is remarkably problematic. There's guys out there fighting for people looking at their girl, Pat. Yeah, it's embarrassing. They're embarrassing people. And they're very similar, all of these people who engage in such behavior. It's either somebody who's from the working class communities, who is opposed to being the working class hero, like their fathers and uncles were, 
and getting themselves a trade. They try battle themselves out of it and think that fake teeth, a tan, and a tight T-shirt in some way make them mm. superior to what they're supposed to be in their deluded head. And in the Venn diagram, they are met in the middle part with people from the middle class whose father probably made his money in the pub game, construction, something like that. And they ignored education. So they make up for that with the tan, with the false teeth, and with the glam. The Love Island communities, really. Mm, yeah, pikeys. It's, it's an interesting word to use, yeah. and I think it's very unfair, especially for the first group of people I okay. named in this. But yeah, it's, it's classless behavior, is what I describe it as. It's very interesting how they're the exact same people, though. People trying to escape the working class yeah. due to an irrational insecurity, and people who shouldn't be in the middle class and are only there due to the technicality of the country's economic climate, which leads to property bubbles, et cetera, et cetera. And their old man can charge a 60 grand to tile a kitchen. Yeah. But it's still very strange, regardless of your background, to engage in violence over your romantic relationship. I don't like the fact that you found my girlfriend attractive, so I'm going to use my knuckle bones from deterring you from doing so again, even though I'll never see you again. And I could explain to you my relationship status with her using just my words, just explain to she's my girlfriend. A lot of these times these people didn't even know. But then how would I get rid of my insecurities? How would I get the fake affection from my girlfriend who will like me more for showing just how tough I am? Even though she, she won't really. In fact, mate who I'm about to kill, this isn't about either of us. It's about her on a constant quest to try and make up for the fact that dad didn't show up for Thunderland Xmas 02, even though the year before, going down the Minnie Mouse with me and my brother, he told me this thing was annual. My four foot eight brother, who was wearing stilts under his buttoned up Adidas tracksuit bottoms so dad could bring him on the ride. Because dad values the false sense of bonding that he enjoys before four Smithwicks with a Guinness head that we have to sit through by the way, one bag of KP peanuts between two. He values that ahead of basic health and safety measures. Your son will fall under the seatbelt, sir. But that's okay. His death, although tragic, means less payments to that cow Elaine that he hasn't felt the same about ever since he first saw her stretch marks. <laughs> and even if the kid doesn't die, even if the brother doesn't plummet to his death due to his dad's incompetency, at least by letting him take the ride that he shouldn't be on legally. He'll annoy his mother in between bites of fried egg and chips. Yeah, even though you aren't the villain in this story, Elaine, I do have to question your commitment to culinary matters. <laughs> but the kid will annoy the mother with the notion that dad ain't all that bad, and that doesn't go with Elaine's fair city means wine, and June means holliers with my 16 sisters narrative. 15 sisters now. The smoke's caught up with Patsy. In fact, we bought the starters on our first dinner on this trip with what she left in her will. Didn't leave much. The rest went to her boy racer son. He just squandered it on, well, boy racing. I never got boy racing. What are you doing? What is the reward system for this carry-on? What is the eventual prize? How was success measured? <laughs> no. 
mom hates hearing about the possible good things, which makes it even harder for the girl, the girl who you're fighting over in a smoking area, when dad eventually lets her down. Because then she, like her mother, who's done nothing but talk her down, envying A, her looks, and B, her possibility of future happiness, now also cannot trust men. But the last thing she wants to do is end up like her mother. The slot machine loving karaoke attendee who continuously buys unwanted multi-packs of rancheros in every single shop run whilst being the first to tell you that you cannot wear that tank top with those arms. So what does the girl in question do when her father's love was weaker than his hatred for her mother? And her mother's self-hatred outweighs maternal affection. She protects herself by manipulating men. No man will ever desert me again. And no man will break my heart so I end up like man. So when I go out, I make my fellow feel like he's inferior to me by responding to advances like a single lady. Then when the plan kicks into gear and it's spotted, this wasn't mutual at all. Now I want my boyfriend, whose supplement drawer is dubious enough as it is, to know that this just happens to me. Your girlfriend is that ha. And when his over-aggressive ass starts a brawl, I will watch it quite sadistically. I will watch my empire. I will watch the jungle of a smoking area that I now control due to my childhood scars. And when my fella gets kicked out and thinks that I know he's now the better man, even though I value neither of the people involved in this, my narcissism will swoop me back inside. My phone will ring. It will be ignored. And maybe I'll even get physical with another guy while my boyfriend, my fella, eventually shares a kebab with the same guy he was just trying to kill half an hour later. Because this behavior protects me from my fears forever until all of this control makes me complacent. I start to believe it. I start believing that I was better than these men. So I date up. <laughs> I'm lucky enough to meet a guy who I never even would have thought would have looked at me, noticed me who had five upstairs bedrooms growing up. He had a timeshare yeah. in Portugal. A legitimate fire pit in his backyard and his family's name on a van in his driveway. <laughs> and he, he's impressed by my confidence around men. He's impressed by my ability to control others. He's impressed by my mind games. I'm the Jose Mourinho of this shit. So it's agreed that he'll ignore my fake handbag if I ignore his McDonald's sign hairline and his Pat Martin-esque lower stomach. <laughs> Things are going great. He's making me feel good about myself. His valuation matters to me. And even me and mom are good now. Mom was warming up to me as I made her feel young again by putting her on one of my Instagram stories. But after she found out that my new fella, Jack, by the way, when she found out that his mother's highlights cost three times more than her upon meeting. Upon meeting at a patronizing dinner arranged by Jack's family just so they could let us know they were better than us. The same dinner in which my mother first found out about the phenomenon called a dining room. She loosened up. She accepted I was better. And she swapped her envy for pride. She raised an uptown girl. 
In fact, things are now going so great for me, I let my guard down. I will never be my mother. And abandonment is impossible. But then I find out the hard way. My guard was my attraction. My defensiveness was my appeal. And when I see his phone light up with another WhatsApp from that hockey-playing bitch <laughs> who I lied to myself was 100% lesbo, I realized that exchanging my true, sweet, youthful self for a monster in order to avoid abandonment was the worst thing I could have ever done. I have egg on my face, and the irony is blatant. At least I lied to him. I was on the pill for the last three months as 2% of me feared this. And if I'm going to become my mother and be minimized to the hands of a man, I at least want her weekly payments. And I also want the ability to project my personal crisis onto an innocent child just like she did. And 15 years later, my dad Smithwicks is replaced with Jax Heineken. And I'm telling his daughter that salad dressing isn't there to be used like water. She's drinking it and I have a problem with it. I've become my mother. It's a vicious cycle. The moral of the story is, guys, be careful what you're fighting for. It may be for a completely different reason than you think. Fighting doesn't make you automatically hard. It has to be legitimate. If you think about fighters, people involved in the combat sports, it adds up. Dillian White. For me, the scariest combat it's fighter tough. currently in the world. He had a kid at 13. Did he? He had his first <laughs> kid at 13. That makes him five years younger than Rory McSorley when he went viral. And yes, I'm talking about the Frostbit kid. <laughs> Muscles don't make you hard either. Classic example, Akin Fenwa, yeah? That yeah. weak yeah, wanderer yeah. striker. He thinks he's hard because he has muscles. Although, um, they recently got promoted. That should be rescinded. Why? They're sponsored by O'Neill's. No, they're not. <laughs> and I want this going on record. Wigan Wanderers promotion should be investigated by the FA as O'Neill's is their shirt sponsor. He is not hard. I'll tell you who's hard. Mark Hughes. Did he have muscles? No. Did he play two games in a day once? Yes. Yes. Mark Hughes, when he was at Barcelona, Gary Lineker was there, Terry Venables was the manager, and a lot of top players from English clubs were going to the continent because Heysel, an event in which Juventus fans died at a European Cup final against Liverpool, some say due to the fault of the Liverpool yeah, fans, yeah. but hooliganism at the time in UK football was rampant, so you can't say it was their fans as opposed to the attitude of English okay. fans at the time. And these players needed to play European football. So Mark Hughes, Sparky, a warrior, went to Barcelona. It didn't work out for him. It didn't suit a style of play. So because he was so good, so gifted, he ended up on loan at Bayern. Bayern was a club and is a club run by football people. And Mark Hughes played for Wales against Czechoslovakia away, lost 2-0. And Honus, who was running football operations yeah. at the time, told Hughes he still needed to play for Bayern that night. After the game, Hughes and Honus got on a flight together and went to Borussia Mönchengladbach away, very close to the German-Czech border, in fairness. Mark Hughes comes on at halftime. Bayern are 2-0 down in a cup game. Bayern win 3-2. Hughes has played a full game of international <laughs> football, a competitive qualifier, and that evening plays a second half of a German cup game in which they overturn a 2-0 deficit. That's hard. That is tough. It's very easy to be a violent guy. 
I've had a few moments over here in which I probably should have whipped the fists out. I was in a bar the other night and the African-English gentleman who was running the bathroom. I don't really know what those guys are doing. The guys who offer you chewing gum and aftershave yeah, and, and just give you tissue that you were about to grab anyway after you wash your hands and demand money. It's a very interesting role in society and I don't understand how it's still a practiced art. But this guy... This guy was doing his bit, more or less. Uh, if you ignore them, they, they, they literally start breakdancing all on the floor. Like, it's, it's insane yeah, yeah, how much yeah. they get your attention yeah. over here. Um, I told them, unfortunately, I only have card, which I thought was enough. Turns out he has a card machine. <laughs> the guy who sprays you in the bathroom and watches you urinate sometimes comments on it. In fact, these guys are only ever useful when you're doing cocaine. Yeah, because these the guys, when you're younger and people are doing cocaine in bathrooms, if you can get those guys to turn a blind eye, they can make that thing literally become a den, a den for doing coke, cocaine. Yeah. Absolutely no worry. First thing you should do, any of the kids doing coke out there, walk into the bathroom, <laughs> give the black guy a fiver and go, and this is how it's going to be all night. Yeah, they don't care. They'll adore you. They'll start bringing silver platters. But bar that, they're pretty pointless. Why do you have a card machine? I could have got violent with him, and I also could have got violent with this girl from Middle Ireland, who, when I was sitting in a restaurant the other day, turns to the left of me and goes, how's the food? I go, yeah. Normally, I wouldn't respond, but you're away from home. You feel like you have a bit more of a social responsibility. Mm, yeah. The isolation just makes you a little bit nicer to the general public. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Like, it was like a half restaurant, half bar. You didn't have to eat in there. So I can understand her hesitancy in, in ordering. Why is it only fine? Sorry, what? Wait, like, how would you describe it? Yeah, it was... Grand, it could have been better. Average. But what was what was bad about it? I go, there was onions in the meat. She goes, mm, what are you talking about? I love onions in the meat. Yeah, you started the conversation. <laughs> you demanded I assessed the burger for you. And now you're turning your back and making judgmental comments about my dietary wants. So ignorant. I don't believe in hitting women, but I was yeah, very no, close you- that day. But more so than me... You're a pacifist, and sometimes to your detriment. And the other night you got yourself in a situation, your pacifism sometimes it verges on naivety. Hmm. And the other night, the same night as I had the, the issue with the, with, the, with the black gentleman in the bathroom, you went out for a cigarette as you still engage in that pastime that openly kills you. Yeah, it's crazy. You came back five minutes later... And you were talking about Brian O'Driscoll's hat-trick in France, something I've never heard you speak about before. You didn't know where you were, and you were claiming death was imminent. Yeah. What happened? Oh, yeah, I got a, gave a homeless man a cigarette. Okay. And he offered me some a puff of his um, cigarette in exchange. But obviously... Whoa, 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 what? He offered me a puff of his like, roll-up, whatever it what is. Why did you take it? Uh, I thought it was patronizing not to. I thought, like, I've given no. him something, he'll give me no. something. No. <laughs> No, that's just not knowing yeah, what existence exactly. is. Exactly, it's naivety and stupidity. You didn't think it was a cigarette. No, I knew it was. I knew it was something in the cigarette. Which means something in the cigarette. Weed. Well, you took a blow yeah. of what you thought was a joint from a homeless man. Yeah, I thought it was out and out weed. Just nothing Why would it. you do that though? Um, yeah, no. With all due respect, and you've, you've a lot of a lot of people tuning into the show. Sometimes feel like they can relate to you. Yeah. I don't know many people who do that. Well, they not do it. No, you obviously don't take it off a homeless black man. The homeless, the well, the skin color not really relevant. Yeah. but <laughs> you're sitting there. You give him a cigarette. Yeah. He then goes, you want to blow ish, and you feel like it's patronizing not to take it. Yeah, I thought, like, I'm a bit ignorant if I don't take something he's giving me in return. So no. it was spice. Yeah, well, it was. It was yeah. the, the famous drug used by the homeless in the UK to make the time pass. Is that what it was, yeah? Yeah, they say that four hours becomes four minutes. Yeah. And it's a way to cope with 
the possibility of sleeping in the cold, going hungry, getting urinated on, or just oh, just getting it's for, mocked. Yeah. It's to get people absolutely fuck-eyed. Because I was going to jump out in front of the car. I thought the cars were crazy taxi. I was about to kill myself, not out of wanting to, just okay. because I didn't know the world existed. I didn't know I existed. It was the most mental thing in the world. So Everything be, okay? Not really. I've struggled mm. for a few days since, but... So you took a drink of spice. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was weed. I just thought it was normal out-and-out marijuana that you just, you just get. Bob Marley smoked it. Everything's fine. He sang well, Three Little Birds and like... That's fine, but Bob Marley didn't take drags of spice off homeless men. No. That, that is unbelievably worrying. And that gullibility or that complete lack of consideration for your own well-being yeah. is something that's violently dangerous. Well, if I was by myself, I would have died. I guarantee I would have died. Let's not forget, I did save a life. Yeah, you did, yeah. You, you had I talked to. you out of it. Yeah. I explained to you what was going on. Yeah. It was heroic. I thought I was dead. I thought I genuinely... I didn't know the world's... Yeah, I didn't. couldn't put words together in my head. It was... Nothing existed. I was going to jump in front of the car, not because you I wanted to... You keep coming back to that, man. Yeah, What's not, going on with this? And do we need to get a therapist in here? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know what it was. But I saw those cars going. I thought, crazy taxi, crazy frog. I don't know what was going through crazy my head. Crazy frog. Jump in front of the... The ringtone. Yeah, the ringtone. That guy, I don't know. He was like on scooters and all. There was something mental happening in the head that was going to... I was going to jump in front of the car. But what makes it worse is that... As I said, you're not a violent man, but you then went looking for this guy yeah. and found him yeah. the next day and you told him what he'd done to you. Yeah. And as a form of apology, you asked, would he come on to the show? And you yeah. know me, I, I, I'll have anyone on this thing. We don't yeah. have a genre of person. So I thought that is kind of exciting. He's homeless, he's 40, he has stories to tell. He lets you down. Yeah, he let me down, yeah. You arranged to meet him. Yeah. The next day at one, he doesn't have a phone. No. How did you think he was showing up? I don't know where... You, you were gutted when he didn't show. Yeah. It yeah. was as if it was a real a real situation. Real so not only did he nearly cause your death, he then just completely disrespects yeah, you. it's crazy. What's his name? Uh, Biscuit. What? Biscuit. <laughs> what do you mean? Biscuit. That's his street name. Biscuit. So what happens next time you see Biscuit? I'm probably just going to ask probably him. probably just like, get a 20 off you, will he? Yeah, probably. He got, like, Biscuit's bullying you, man. He got a sarnie off me the other night and, a, and a orange juice. A sarnie and orange juice and a Why? bottle of water. Just because he wanted it and I stupidly said, yeah. So you are now <laughs> you are now being manipulated by, by a homeless man who spiked Biscuit. you, whose name is Biscuit. Yeah. It's terrible. It is shocking. But I will see him What again. happens next time you see him? Just I'll probably ask him, does he want to come on tomorrow? And then he'll again bogey me. Get this guy on. He has some fucking questions to answer. He's an intelligent guy. As fascinating as that is, I can't really listen to too much more of it. Mm. I think that a lot of people in Ireland this week are hurting. A lot of people in Ireland this week are claiming to be hurting without having any knowledge. Because that's what happens in our little old country. For some reason, we have to accept that anybody who was alive during Italian 90 was a football fan. We don't question their context. We don't question their knowledge regarding tactics, selection, no. players, games, results, anything. But if you were alive, you're allowed to sing Ole 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 and mourn Jackie Charlton. So that just means that every South Dublin girl who was in fifth year when Thierry Henry handballed against Ireland can turn around and tell people that, I just think Liam Lawrence was a masterstroke. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And I think we need to put some things into context about Jack Charlton. Embarrassing guy, I would have thought. Huh? Embarrassing guy, Jack Charlton. Uh, just wore a paddy cap every day of his life. And when he wasn't, he had two strands of hair Where's connecting his, his ears. From? Where's this coming from, though? He's a fisherman. He yeah, was an, he's just seemed like an overrated guy. Probably a woman beater. Northerner. Scabby. What are you doing, man? 
No, sorry, but, but his like, funeral was yesterday. Is that is that humor? God bless him. No, but I just think he might have been overrated in his personality. He was fishing down Balana for most of his life. Balana. What? Why? What are you talking about? He fished. Who yeah. cares? Then, yeah. Well, there's two strands of hair connected to his ears, so he. <laughs> It's ridiculously disrespectful, man, especially the week that's in it. I'm actually about to talk about Jack Carlton, the football manager, and I don't know whatever that personal weird shit you're saying. It could be from guilt of the biscuit thing and that you bottled it up for two minutes <laughs> and then decided to explode on Jack Charlton's hair and scabby. And you're accusing him of being frugal. He was definitely a frugal man. He was Northern English fucking scabby, paddy cap. But oh, how do you know about his attitude towards finances? I just, I guarantee you he was. It's, and, and it's fascinating, but how the fuck is it relevant? It's not, but uh, you know, scabby people aren't, uh, they don't have great personalities. I don't think if any listener to the show met Jack Charlton, they'd actually think he was a good man at all. Because he wouldn't get you a pint. He wouldn't get you a pint. And he'd, uh, if you looked at his hair, you'd just go, why, is this, why doesn't he cut it? Why didn't he just shave it all off? Why would he have two strands connecting? It was a style back then. But it was like a slinky from one ear to the other. It was fucking disgusting. But that was the Charlton look. Mm. Maybe. The deal with Jack Charlton is this. And he fagged as well, like 80 a day. And so alcohol. What? And alcohol. You don't know that. It's just, it's celebrated a bit, the drinking aspect. Yeah. yeah, and it was damaging to Irish society that we had to make it about ethanol once again. The drinking thing does seem problematic, yeah. but I'm, I'm not agreeing with this tirade on his character. Mm-hmm. Jack Charlton, first things first, top, top player. Let's not forget that. Was he nice on the eye? No, horrendous. Was he good for the game? No, himself and Norman Hunter were essentially the Dudley brothers, but he was a successful player. He had a good club career and he helped England that day in 1966, which which was culturally impactful and life-changing. He won the World Cup, so he's immortal in that way. Quite an average managerial career. Failed at Newcastle, mediocre at Sheffield Wednesday, pretty good at Borough. And he gets the Irish job. Bob Paisley was also in the hat for it. But Jack Charlton gets it and he comes in and he admittedly doesn't even know many players' names. He starts to realise that we can get people like Ray Houghton yeah. People who aren't from Ireland to consistently play for the team. One of the most controversial, in fact, was John Aldridge, as he was scouted through his great-grandfather. And the argument at the time was, there's no way that his great-grandfather could have been a citizen of the free state. Okay, so yeah. there was actual no Republic of Ireland mm-hmm. in his blood, therefore his selection was redundant. But Jack Charlton got results. That's not to say they're not overhyped. People forget just how close own hand was to qualifying for the World Cup in 1982, especially with a group that involved France and Holland. And in 1988, our qualification, first of all, was via a group that was easy. Belgium, Bulgaria, Scotland. And people forget that Mackay's goal in the 86-minute away at Bulgaria for Scotland is what qualified us. Okay, was it? It was lucky. It was a freak result. It was a Mike Bassett, Luxembourg mm, have done yeah. it. We're, we're in the major tournament. Charlton got lucky in that way, and he got luck that Owen Hand didn't get. So this idea that he started success in the Irish football team, it isn't true. We had great players before Jack, and we had great players after. Perhaps, sadly, one of the things that Jack battered into this nation, even though we're a nation that has a direct route to England and have done, for 50 years that means if you're good at 14 or 15 there's a very strong possibility that you can be sent to an academy that has flawless resources and excellent facilities much quicker than somebody from any advantage. other minor european nation can be if you're from poland if you're from estonia jack for me again he gave us some of the great times at tally 90 didn't win a game drew all three the game against england 
in Italia 90 is cited as the game that made the pass-back rule happen. It was one of the worst games in the history of football. It changed <laughs> football. It was that bad of a spectacle. The Egypt game is notorious. And then, of course, we drew at Romania and won on penalties. We also had a nice group to qualify for Italia 90. Jack got results. He got us to the quarterfinal. He got us to USA 94. And he beat England and Stuttgart to no effect. Also, people have to remember in Italia 90 in the last group game against the Netherlands, they would qualify as one of the best third-place teams if the draw remained. And famously, for the last 15 minutes of that game, Ireland and Holland passed the ball around the pitch allowing a draw to happen. It was notorious. Is that what happened, yeah? Famously. Yeah. Didn't qualify for Euro 92. Jack Charlton made us fall into the trap of underrating our quality and overrating our achievements. Although successful... He gave us a fear. He didn't play a nice style of football. Look at the squads he was working with. Frank Stapleton. Paul McGrath was basically Virgil van Dijk. Ray Houghton, top player. Steve Staunton, league winner with Liverpool. Roy Keane after that. And for me, Charlton was a negative precursor for Mick McCarthy's underachievements. Because if you look at the fact that we didn't get to the World Cup in 98, we didn't get to the Euros in 2000. We got to the World Cup in 02 and didn't get to the Euros in 04. With what was one of the best international sides in the world at the time, Shea Given, 12th most Premier League clean sheets ever, over 100. Not many people have done or will ever do that. Ian Hart, he played over 200 Premier League games for Leeds, a team that was finishing in top fours and getting to Champions League semi-finals before the age of 27. Gary Kelly, over 300 top flight games for Leeds. Richard Dunn, top, top, young, promising defender. Damien Duff won two leagues under Mourinho at Chelsea. Robbie Keane, the 15th highest scorer in Premier League history. Roy Keane, at one point debatably the best midfielder in the world. Steve Finnan, Champions League winner. Steve Staunton still there. And yes, he was past his best, but he was still playing very good football at Villa. He won two League Cups at Villa. Yeah, what a side unbelievable side that completely underachieved and played one knockout game in a major tournament because our gaffer had an ego and he couldn't accept the possibility of greatness because Mick McCarthy bought into the fact that Ireland were a small nation will sing ole 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 will allow Conor McGregor to win a few fights and label him the best ever and not expect him to come back if McGregor was British Oh, they wouldn't confused. have allowed him to fuck off though no. I know he completed the game and made all the money but we took no pride in his greatness because we celebrated too early look at our rugby sides look at that O'Gara Driscoll Darcy team they won one six nations the Welsh side that coexisted who have nowhere near as much notoriety achieved more we underachieved he, was, he wasn't playing occasionally players like David O'Leary Liam Brady wasn't playing at times we refuse to accept genuine technical genius and qualities. We're afraid of it. We're afraid to take that next step and sending Roy Keane home because he demanded better facilities. And yes, you can say he disrespected the coach. Why wouldn't he? He was better than Mick McCarthy. It should have been a messy Barcelona system. Yeah. If Roy Keane wanted to get his dick out in Saipan and demand the whole team sit down and, watch and clap just like that yeah. and Roy Keane put on one of those teddy bear hats from one of those weird porn stripping videos, they should have done it. Obviously, but we were have. afraid of it and we sent them home. That team would have come anyway. They won underage tournaments under Brian Kerr. It was a golden generation of Irish football we'll never see again. Never see again. If Jack Charlton's style of football 
and McCarthy played a nicer brand, but the style of football that made us seem like the overachieving underdogs as opposed to accepting we had great players and us over-celebrating average results and average performances. His unbeaten run in Lansdowne Road, when he was alive, Roy Keane even said this, because we were playing on a rugby pitch. Well, he said the other teams could not handle it. They couldn't handle... The ball used to bobble a bit more okay. than it would in a football pitch. They couldn't handle what we were getting in their face. They didn't have the time to technically express themselves. It cut up easier. It was a bit wider. The running was different. That's why we flunked in USA 94 so much. Those tactics wouldn't work in that humidity. We beat Italy, but the rest of the tournament was a disgrace. And we were terrible. Yeah, that all put them under pressure. If Charlton had played a bit differently with those players, we could have got equally as far... And we wouldn't have had the inferiority that haunted us for the rest of time. To call him the greatest Irish manager of all time for me makes absolutely no sense. There's only one man who you can factually say is the greatest Irish manager ever, and his name is Giovanni Trapattoni. Yeah. Giovanni Trapattoni was a referee decision away from qualifying for the World Cup in 2010. I just named some of the members of Mick McCarthy's team, and I didn't even mention the likes of Gary Breen, who went for £2.5 million in 1997 and failed a medical at Inter. Kenny Cunningham. These were good Premier yeah, League yeah. players. Sean St. Ledger started that night in Paris. He's never played a top-flight game in England. God. Kevin Doyle started up top. In his last five Premier League seasons, he scored 18 goals. Glenn Whelan, Keith Andrews, Liam Lawrence has previously mentioned. Poor, poor side. Shea given past it. Robbie passed it. Paul McShane playing. Paul McShane came on. Yeah. And he got us within a referee decision from Thierry Henry and Galas's French team. He then qualifies for the Euros in 2012 to get us to the first major tournament in 10 years. And people criticise the performance, saying we may as well not have been there. Is it his fault that Cameroon and Saudi Arabia weren't in his group. But the greatest international side of all time, Spain, were, mm. with Italy, who got to the final that year, and a Croatia side yeah. that had the likes of Luka Modric in it, who got to a World Cup final six years later. There's nothing we could do. Even getting to that tournament was remarkable. Trap overachieved. Paul Green, Connor Salmon. <laughs> these were the types of guys who were getting caps under Trap. There's a romanticism to the Charlton era which has damaged our sporting expectation and sporting attitudes for the decades and years that followed. We were a good nation. We punch above our weight creatively. We punch above our weight in acting, film, the arts, writing, music. And we should be doing that in sport. But as long as we sing ole 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 and have the inferiority attitude, we're fucked. I don't see Wales celebrating their semi-final appearance in the no, Euros. Anything in comparison to what we have. And of course, there's social circumstances that conduct that, such as the fact that if social media existed in Italian 90, people wouldn't have been on the streets because you could have just Instagram where you were and put it on Twitter. Yeah. That kind of public hysteria, unmatchable in the modern context. But yeah, no. The romance, Italian 19 in Stuttgart, it's only as recent as 1971 until members of the GAA were barred from the GAA on paper. It wasn't really acted out, but if they attended something of the foreign games, the head of the GAA came out at the time in 1988 saying he wouldn't be watching it. He has no interest in football. And it was viewed as a uh, a West Brit thing to do. The Garrison games, based on the fact that most people who played it were inspired by local army barracks. That's why the game was so dominant in Dublin and places like Sligo and Dundalk. Jack Charlton changed that. He allowed us to progress as a nation. And it was important, especially with the political tensions of Ireland and the UK 
at the time to move on from that. And he did expose, like, grown men crying was something you weren't allowed to do in 1990 because the Catholic Church just wouldn't let you. And he did show us all just how greedy and manipulative the GAA and Catholic Church, the most poisonous duo in the history of this state, really are. But that's it. It's social importance. It's social significance. Big Jack, it was an essential time. The Englishman who was accepted by the Irish community. So for that, we will always thank him. Mm. Jack Charlton allowed us all, in a way, as Irishmen, to engage with the beautiful game. That's what Jack Charlton did. That's what his legacy is. It's unforgettable. But if we're talking about it in, in purely footballing terms, no, J- Jack Charlton was not Pep Guardiola. Yeah. And he wasn't Ireland's greatest ever manager. Giovanni Trapattoni was, proven by his seven Serie A titles. Seven. That's great. I mean, he, he won European Cups. He managed Michel Platini. Yeah. We were all part of Jackie's army. <laughs> we will remain part of Jackie's army. But I also think we should be open to moving in to a new sort of army, which allows us to call out underachievement and changes the way the game of football is taught in Ireland. Jack Charlton is also one of the reasons that centre-backs age 10 were encouraged to stick a ball onto a motorway and not play football with it. Yeah, He's the reason why man on <laughs> is the most called out thing on an Irish football <laughs> pitch as opposed to take a risk, enjoy yourself, play it square. Mm. Be calm on the ball. Think about that encouragement of playing. Man on! Get rid of it! Man on! Do you know what I mean? That, no. Calm down. Get the ball on the ground and see where it takes us. Our crop of players right now is appalling. But as Ireland, there's going to be a time where we get another batch of great kids. There yeah. is. It's going to come. It's a, it's a cycle thing. And what do we do with it next time it comes around? Do we get in a Jackie? Do we get in someone like Mick McCarthy who came from Millwall? That man's attitude summed up by the fact that when he left Millwall, they were 12 points clear of relegation. Terrible time of the season to leave. He fucks off, they go down. Did Wait they? it out. Wait it out. It's an international job. Do we keep it in-house like that? McCarthy and Charlton were tight. Or do we try and become an actual football nation which our facilities, finances, and love of the game can allow us to be? It's up to you. It's up to all of us. So maybe do dance on the Walkinstown roundabout and maybe do more in the passing of a great man. But do not kid yourself with the notion that his attitude towards our nation as a sporting nation or his philosophy on how we should go about achieving in sport was beneficial because it will lead us to a life of underachievement and accepting mediocrity. We need to get past a Rugby World Cup quarterfinal. We need to consistently qualify for major tournaments in football. And we need to get the best out of players and not encourage them to run their arse off and play it safe. Here's to Jackie Charlton, but here's to a better future for Irish sport. The match began two hours and 42 minutes ago. There were no goals scored in 120 minutes of play. And now... It's to the last series of kicks in the penalty shootout. Timote against Bonner. A lot of big guests coming up in the Michael Anthony show. We will see the more important listeners again on Friday when Pat Martin tries to get the duck off his back. See you next week on the show. Is stepping forward, David O'Leary of Arsenal is entrusted with the responsibility of taking the penalty that could send Ireland into the quarterfinals 
of the World Cup. The nation holds its breath. Yes, we're there! It's been how many years, my oh, boy? Audio books, David. You still don't know my chairs of joy. No need to go, just take Radio it cast. slow. Podcast. And have you heard the Michael Anthony show? Makes me see the light What about those tears? Cheers, believe my eyes How's it make it feel? Makes 